Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, we've been going through a series this summer on... Okay. Wisdom is that you remember what I've been talking about. Okay. The discouragement is when you forget. Honey, what was that? What was what, 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 something? Okay. It's been on wisdom. And we've led you through this summer series, and the foundation of it has been out of the book of Proverbs. Say it with me, Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and some of the wisest, wealthiest, most intelligent people I know read one chapter a day because it addresses every single area of life. And of course, we know that though this book was written 3,000 years ago, it was written by Solomon, who had a famous father. His name was? And he was famous at first because he killed a? Because he killed a giant. And Solomon's desire when he wrote this book was to leave it, and you will read it as you read it. He goes, my son. He over and over, he's speaking to his children. He actually left this book as a wisdom manual. He left it so that by the time his children began life, they would know all the great things he knew by the end of his life. You've heard me say that people have sometimes, not often, but walked up to me and said, Pastor Jacob, you are very wise. And you know what I say? No, I'm not. I'm very old. If I would have known at 30 what I know at 60, I would have been wise. Now I'm just, that is really sad that you said that to me. May God deal back to you. May your rink, no, no, I'm just, I don't know what I was thinking. That wasn't wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see a temporary situation from an eternal perspective. It's, it's literally having heaven's insight from where we sit on earth. Stated plainly, wisdom is the ability to choose as though God himself were right beside you telling you exactly what to do. You know why that would be so powerful? Because when God tells us something, he knows the beginning from the in the end. And so you know that when God tells you something, there's going to be some scary parts in the middle but you already know how it's going to end. That's what wisdom is. When you build your life on the wisdom of God's word, it doesn't matter what it looks like in between. You have an assurity of what the end is going to be like. Anybody ever raise children? How many of you have children that need a touch from God? Okay, can I tell you this? You know what the Bible promise is? You and your household shall be saved. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Do you know what that means? That means that you can take that promise at the beginning of their life and hold it on until the end of when it becomes fulfilled and everything that goes on between when people go, did you see what they did? Did you hear what they did? You go, yes, I did. But let me tell you how this movie is going to end because I have a promise from God and God has given me assurance of no matter what it looks like right now, what the end is going to be. Why do we need wisdom? It's simple. All of us are naturally stupid. Oh, you're laughing. You're you're laughing. Do you realize that when you're born, you had to learn how to eat? Like someone had to teach you how to, to eat. You had to learn how to bathe. Some of you are still learning that. You had to learn how to comb your hair. Some of you are still learning that. You, you had to learn not, not to walk across the street when cars come. You had to learn who's a good person to say hello to and who's not a good person to say hello to. You had to learn who was a friend and who was a stranger. And all of this learning goes on through the course of your life, which means if by 13 you start saying, oh, I know, I know, then you're a moron in a Jesus kind of a way. Because the moment you say, I know, is the moment you stop. It's the moment you stop learning. 
So Solomon also taught us there were four ways to learn wisdom. Three were the best way. The fourth was the worst way. The first way is through instruction. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Pay close attention, my child, to your father's wise words. And never forget your mother's instruction. For their insight will bring you, what? Adorning you with grace-filled thoughts and giving you reigns to guide, what? How many have ever raised teenagers? How many have been frustrated? How many feel like you're beating your head against the wall when you tell them something? I've raised six of them, and I I felt the same way. And then, you know, something happened a number of years ago that really, really encouraged me. Some of these stubborn, hard-headed kids that did all kinds of stupid things, I would talk to them when they were 30 or 40. And you know what they would do? They would say something like this. You know, my daddy used to say. You know, I always remember when my mama said, and I would just say to myself, Man, I wish their parents were alive to hear that. That's why one of my dying wishes is, is that when my funeral happens, and maybe you might be here, that I'll be laying up here. And you know how they have the hour before, like when your children come only? Okay. And that my children are going to be standing over me, and they're going to go, Daddy, we love you. We should have listened to you more. I just have one request to the Lord. I just want to wake up and slap the heck out of them. And then look, and then, and then close my hands back and they just be like this. People are like, my kids go, did, did you? People go, what are you talking about? He just slapped me. How many of you, you would now, you didn't know what your death wish was, but you now know what yours is too. The first way you learn wisdom is through instruction because you don't know anything when you come into the world. Here's the second way, is through correction. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves, but whoever hates is... Why? Because if you don't receive instruction, the only way you can learn is through correction. And if no one can correct you, you stop learning at that moment, and you become stupid in every other area of your life. Is there anything any more frustrating than look at somebody who keeps making the same mistake and can't figure out why? That they think they have bad luck and haven't figured out they're a bad person? Yes, this is on video, and so you can send that to that person. Here's the third way that we can learn wisdom is through rebuke. Okay, instruction is this is how you do it. Correction is don't do it that way, do it this way. Rebuke is stop it! Stop it. Proverbs 9, 8 and 9 says, do not rebuke mockers. Let me define what a mocker is. A mocker is someone who thinks they're smarter than God. A mocker is someone who goes, oh, oh, premarital sex is wrong. Yeah, like really. Oh, like drunk driving is wrong. Like, uh uh-huh. Oh, like, I'm supposed to, you know, keep my thoughts pure and not look at porn and not stay on social media all day, rewiring my brain and bringing me into depression? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, like, I should make my bed first, because if I make my bed first, at least when I come home, if everything goes bad, I come back to a clean bed. A mocker is someone who literally defies the way God created them to live. Here's what he says. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Do you know how I can tell if you're a mocker or not? How do you receive correction? I don't like people telling me what to do. With them, don't be surprised if they stop. I said last week, how many of you keep talking to people that don't listen to you? No one, neither does God. And if you wonder why the mess the world is in today. You say, where is God? He kept talking. We stopped listening, and so he stopped talking. Do not rebuke a mocker, they will hate you, but rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will even be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The moment you say, I know, is the moment your education stops. 
Here's the fourth and the most painful way, learning by experience alone. The consequences of a fool. Proverbs 5.21, the message translation says this, Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will... You'll find yourself stumbling over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life, and your foolish decisions will in a dead end. In a dead end. I love the way that the Passion Translation reads verse 23. It says, those who choose wickedness for a lack of self-control, for their foolish ways lead them carrying them away as kidnapped captives robbed of their destiny. The fourth and final way, the fool's way, is through painful consequences. That's the only way. Come on, you've heard somebody go, well, I've told them. They just have to learn on their own. They'll just have to do that and see what happens. This is the most expensive way. He says here, you get robbed of your destiny. What does that mean? That means God's word is a divine GPS for God's will in your life. And God has a plan and a purpose. And the more you follow it, it turn left, go right. It will guide you and direct you. But if you don't, the only way you know the right place is by first experiencing everything that happens by going to the wrong place. And you know what it does? It robs you of your destiny. It robs you of the plan that he had for you. It does. When you learn this way, you always lose something to learn something. I'm going to say that again. When you can only learn the fourth way through consequences, like a fool, in order to learn something, you have to lose something. What do you lose? You lose time, months, years, peace, innocence, the trust of the people that you love. You lose people. You just lose Period. What happens when you learn by experience? As I've told you before, you get the test first and the lesson last. And most of the time when I got the test first and the lesson last, I failed. You do realize that we only have a limited time here on earth. Just so many years to learn wisdom and that the quantity of the wisdom you acquire will determine the quality of your life. Let me say that again. The quantity of the wisdom you acquire will determine the quality of your life. It will determine the quality of your relationships, your peace, your marriage, your spiritual well-being, your financial prosperity, even your posterity. That's your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. We all want what Solomon teaches us from this book that wisdom will bring to our lives. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 19, 23. Let's read it together. When you live a life of surrendered before what? The awe of God. That's the fear of God where wisdom begins. Here's what you will. Here's your experience if you walk in wisdom. Read it with me. Number one. How many of you want that one? Abundant life. It means a life that's overflowing. Secondly, continual protection. Because once God gives you something, whether it's children or houses or lands or money, you want to protect it. It's not just acquiring it, it's then protecting it. How many people in the NFL have made a bazillion dollars and they're broke today? They got it. They just didn't know how to protect it. And here's the third thing. What? Say it loud. Complete satisfaction. You know what God says about the wicked, the fool? That no matter what they get, they're never satisfied. Satisfaction is a great gift from a great God. Many of us remember that big-lipped fool from England. I can't get no... Faction. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I can't get no. And you know what? He was with a thousand women, but it still didn't satisfy. He had all the money in the world, but it didn't 
30 years later, 40 years later, everybody knows it's song, but it still doesn't. Because satisfaction doesn't come from what you have. It comes from who has you. Isn't that what we all want? Abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction? This is what wisdom will bring you. Today's lesson on wisdom is understanding the season that you're in. What season of life are you in? What wisdom do you need for this moment? Proverbs 10, 5 and 6, Solomon teaches us, and listen to what he says. Know the importance of the season you're in. A wise son or daughter, you will what? But what a waste when an incompetent son or daughter sleeps through his day of opportunity. The lover of God is enriched beyond belief, but the evil man only curses his luck. He he keeps doing the same stupid thing and stupid things keep happening to him and he thinks that it's everybody else's fault. He can't figure out that he's the author of his own unhappiness. But every day he sows the seeds of his future crop that he will resent. What season are you in? Do you know? What do you need to know about the season of life that you're in? Life can be broken down into three seasons. Season number one is learning. Say that with me, learning. You you, you start every day learning, learning. Every day you can learn something. Every day you can experience something. Every day it's learning. Here's the second part. If you learn well, the second season becomes well, and it's the season of earning, earning. Do, Do you know that what you will experience in the second phase of your life is predicated on what you learned in the first phase of your life. If you didn't learn much here, then you're going to be working here the rest of your life. Your learning will determine your earning. You get to decide that. As a matter of fact, statistics show that people that don't finish high school earn 50% less than those that do. And people that go to college earn 50% more than people that don't. That's the statistics. Here's the third season of life. It's returning. First one is? Second one is? And the third part is? If you do those first two parts right, then you have an overflow and abundance of wisdom to share with people resources to share with people. I I know a handful of people and they have been very successful in their life. Wasn't always college, but they learned really well and they are still lifelong learners. And because of that, their earning has been amazing, actually phenomenal. And do you know what they do at this season of their life? They go around looking for worthy projects to decide who they would gift to. Their job used to be learning what they're doing, then they earn from what they were doing, and now they get to sit around and go, what great thing is God involved in that I can fuel and be a part of? Do you know why I'm here today? Because many years ago, one man who was in that season of his life, I led to Christ. And he said, Jacob, I believe you need to be a pastor and stop traveling. And he purchased the Harry Smith Lodge and gave it to Michelle and I. And we started our Savior's Church. From that, the largest churches in the state all over. And whenever I call him and I say, hey, let me tell you what God is doing. You know what he says? I love that return on investments. Those are wonderful dividends. They're eternal. It was returning. It's amazing. When you're in the season of learning, you're young. You have a lot of time, but little money. You have a lot of energy, but very little purpose. You have a lot of capacity, but not much opportunity. You have a lot of significant people you'd like to meet, but very little access to meet those people. The mismanagement of your youth will result in an unfulfilled adult life. 
the mismanagement of the learning and earning stage of your life, if you don't get it right then, it will result in a sad adult life. When you're in the season where you should be returning, you're still going to be trying to earn because you weren't wise in earlier seasons of your life. When you get older, it's funny. You have a lot of money, but little time. You have a lot of purpose, but not much energy. You have many significant relationships, but not much time to spend with them. Why am I teaching you this? Because I want you to know how to manage the season of your life now. Do you know that the old you is counting on the young you to make wise decisions? Let me say that again. The old you, the 70-year-old you, is counting on the young you making the right decisions. Mismanaged success is the leading cause of failure. Mismanaged success is the leading cause of failure, and well-managed failure is the leading cause of success. So what wisdom would 60-year-old Pastor Jacob give to 20-year-old Jacob? What, 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 if I could speak to myself 43 years ago, because, you know, sometimes people come up to me and they go, Pastor, we wanted to call you. I said, well, why? I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Why? I'm not in the car business. Why? I'm not in that element of business. They go, well, Pastor, you're just wise. And you know what I say? No, I'm not. I'm just old. If I would have known at 63, okay, if I would have known at 33 what I know at 63, I would have been wise. Now, I just figured out how this works, and I'm at the end of my journey, and I know what happens with choices you make at the beginning of your journey. Because remember, wisdom is the ability to see in the beginning how it's going to end because you're trusting the one that's eternal to lead you and guide you. So, my heart's desire for every one of you, my heart's desire is simple. When preparation meets opportunity, something good always happens. I'll give you a little dumb example. Can I give you a dumb one? My, my older son, Jacob Jr., who's a professional musician in Nashville and plays with everybody in the whole world, Eric Church and ZZ Top and all those people, he was talking to me about a year and a half ago. He was sitting on my couch at Christmas time, and he goes, Daddy, he said, this is this thing called Bitcoin. He said, right now, you can put $3,000 in it. Daddy, it's going to make you a lot of money. I said, bid who? I'm not getting bit by that. I mean, $3,000 at this season of my life would have been like $300 at the season of life that he's in. He said, I'm telling you, Daddy. I said, I call him Daddy Boy. I said, Daddy Boy, I, I, I mean, I love you and everything, but I don't know a bit about Bitcoin. And when Bitcoin went up to $58,000 a year and a half later, I realized opportunity came knocking at my door, and it would have been a very little investment, and it cost me over $50,000. Now, I'm not saying you go buy Bitcoin. I'm not saying that at all. New Iberia, don't go buy Bitcoin. I'm just saying that's what happened. When preparation meets opportunity, something good always happens. Russell Wilson, the famous Christian quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, says it like this. The separation is in the preparation. If you want to separate yourself and distinguish yourself, the separation is in the preparation. And as your pastor, I not only want to prepare you for eternity, I want to prepare you for when you're 50, 60, and 70. What would 63-year-old Pastor Jacob say to Jacob at 20 years old? Number one, learn to learn. Learn to learn. That means I'm going to have to take instruction. That means I'm going to have to take correction. And that means I'm going to have to love the people that love me enough to do it. How many of you know people you can't tell anything to? Raise your hand. Do you know what, what they do? The moment they do that, they stop 
their growth for the rest of their life. If nobody can tell you anything, don't be surprised if they don't. I don't know about you, but I don't talk to people that don't listen to me. When people often say to me, Pastor, why is the world in such a mess? Where is God? Why isn't he talking to us? He's been talking to us, but we don't listen. And so he finally stopped talking because we're not listening to him. Learn to learn. Ask successful people questions. Become a lifelong learner. A lifelong learner. T.D. Jakes, the amazing preacher, said this, my mama told me life was a university, and son, be sure you go to school every day. Number two, learn to love work. For most people today, work is a four-letter word. Work! When I was the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints and would take Mike Ditka around to speak different places, this is one of his famous quotes. The only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. Solomon writes to the lazy and he says, you lazy person, look at the ant. The ant doesn't know what you and I know, but they start working in the summer to prepare for food for the winter. Learn preparation from the ant. If you can't listen to your mama and your daddy, be an idiot enough to listen to the thing just bit you and cause your leg to swell up. That's maybe why he bit you. Learn to love work. Three, learn to friend up. Friend up. What do I mean by that? Befriend people who you want to become. I, I mean foolish people all the time. They go, Pastor, well, the reason I hang around them is I grew up with them. That's why. Listen carefully to me. Stay away from fools. Their lives will explode, Solomon teaches us, and the shrapnel of their life will affect you too. You don't have to be drunk. All you got to do is ride in a car with somebody who is. You don't have to be smoking weed. All you have to do is be around somebody who is. You don't have to be the one causing a fight at a club. All you have to do is be the one there. Solomon teaches us that their lives is filled with explosions. And when their life starts blowing up, the shrapnel is going to affect you, even if you didn't make the decision they did. It's not personal. It's simply proximity. Do you know the Bible only says twice, don't be deceived? Only twice. Did y'all get that for me? The last, were you able to get that for me? I want to show it to you. Let's read it together. Do not be bad company. It doesn't say choosing immorality ruins good morals. It doesn't say immorality ruins good morals. It's simply the people you surround yourself with. No one is strong enough to overcome the influence of the people they constantly choose to surround themselves with. When I was a kid growing up, there was a famous rock band called Bad Company. At least they were honest. You might not know this, but... but there are fortune tellers in Louisiana. There's an old French word for those people. They think they can heal you, and they think they can tell your fortune. What are they called? Traitors. Well, in Spanish, we have something like that, too. When I was raised in my mother's bar, my mom's bar was connected to a duplex house that, that we lived in, and the other half of the house was a curandero, a cure, a traitor. And they had a big sign, big sign out, out of, made out of plywood, and it had a big old hand like this. And it said in Spanish, fortune teller or curandero. And then under that it said, I will tell you anything for $5. <laughs> I guess you get what you pay for. <laughs> so I'm going to call upon my Latino heritage. And now that I'm a Mexican, there's portraiteur and curandero, both merging together. So if you don't mind for a moment, I, I want to tell you your future. So open up your hand like this. Oh, open up, look, look down at your hand. If there's a real wide line, you need to lose weight. 
If there's a real skinny line, eat some food. Okay, look at me. I want you to name the five closest friends you have that you're not related to. Okay, your brother, your sister, they're there. Your husband, you chose him. Stick with it. Okay. But I want you to choose, write down the five closest people, your go-tos, your peeps, your boys, your girlfriends. Okay, you got it? Now look at me. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Oh, I'm not going to be like them. Really? Go ahead, mocker. Mock what God said and find out who's right, you or him. Go ahead, scoffer. (laughs) Scoff at God's word and see who's smarter, God or you. And a man that wrote these words 3,000 years ago that are as powerful and pertinent today as they were when he penned them 3,000 years ago. Learn to listen. Learn to love work. Learn to friend up. Learn to friend up. Your life should have gates and fences. Fences keep bad people out. Gates let good people in. It's, it's foolish to think that, that you, you just have one or the other. Some of you are here and you go, well, people have hurt me. And so I'm just put, nobody going to hurt me again. I'm going to put up a wall. Look right here. You've heard me say it before, but pain is the price you pay for love. Everybody you love is going to hurt you at one moment or another in your life. You know I know that? How many of you love yourself? How many have done stupid things to yourself? Okay. Pain is a price you pay for love. But also, fences are there to protect you from people that don't want what's best for you or God's best for you or people that are not wise because if you get close to them, the explosions of their foolishness are going to affect everybody close by. So you have a fence there. But then God sends people to you, like people in a small group, like people that are on the same spiritual journey as you. Those people you open up the gate for and invite them in. They are gifts from God to help protect you on this journey, just like that fence is there to protect you from people that shouldn't be on your journey. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. I'm very secure. Number four, learn to honor people. How do you treat the people who have invested in your life? How do you treat the people that have invested in your life? Yesterday, I had the privilege of doing what I get to do often. I called my 80-year-old spiritual father who laid me to the Lord when I was 14 years old. I worked on this message for about 10 hours yesterday. And I was thinking of him. And I call him very regularly, every week, every other week. And I said, Pastor Keith, yes, son. I said, thank you for showing me how to be a man of God. You never showed me how to preach. If I told you I wanted to preach something, you go, that's not enough. You need more. You never showed me how to pray. You didn't tell me to pray. I just watched you praying all the time. You showed me how to love God, and you showed me how to love one woman for a lifetime, and at 80 years old, you look at your 81-year-old wife like she's 18. I am who I am today. It's good because of Jesus and because of you. Thank you. I never want to forget that. Can I share something with you? Grateful person will never be proud, and a proud person will never be grateful. Learn to be grateful. Honor the people in your life that have been good to you. How do you treat a waitress or a waiter? One of the tests I give our staff is I take them to a restaurant. They don't even know it's a test. Then I bring them to the restaurant. And I, I watch them order first. Yeah, I have a number three. Y'all got tea? Yeah, tea. 
Arnold Palmer. Yo, hold it. Y'all got lemonade too? All right, Arnold Palmer. And then the person will come to me and I say, may I have a number three, please? Um, excuse me, do, do, do y'all have an Arnold Palmer? That's lemonade and iced tea mix. That's what he used to drink and that's what they call it. Yes, okay, thank you. Could, could I have that, please? Thank you. And then the person walks away and I pull the staff member close to me. And I say, my mama was a waitress and my daddy was a waiter and I was a bus boy all of my young life. The way you treat those people is the way you treat people. How do you treat people that you don't need? Do you love people or you just love people that can do something for you? Learn to honor people. Number five, learn to keep your word. A man or a woman is no better than their word. If you say 5.30, it's 5.30. It's not 5.35. It's not 5.45. It's not, I meant near 6 o'clock. A man or a woman is no better than their word. And you can actually add up every word you've spoken in your life and the actions that follow it. And that reveals your true character of who you are. There's three things I'm greatly proud of in my life. And all of them are the grace of God. Number one is the Jesus that loved me and redeemed me and claimed me as his own. Number two is that I'm the first man in four generations of my family to be faithfully married to one woman for now almost 40 years. And number three, that my children, one of them sitting here, who's 30 years old and will tell you in 30 years I've never lied to him one time. Well, kind of. There's a few times I told him I was going to beat him. I conveniently forgot. He never reminded me of those, by the way. So I guess he's responsible too. A man or a woman is no better than their word. Remember when people did business on their word? Remember when all you needed was a handshake and not 15 lawyers? You're in plain, call Blaine. Did you wrong, call Cheech and Chong. Remember when you just, a man looked at you and he said, I'll be there at five. And if he wasn't there at five, you started calling the police or the hospital. Remember those days? Number five, learn to keep your word. Number six, be grateful for everyone. Be grateful for everyone. Do, do you know that, how many of you ever been mad because you, you gave your children something they weren't grateful? Raise your hand. Well, the rest of y'all have perfect children. I love you. Thank you so much. Do you know that your children can tell you how much you will bless them? What I'm about to teach you right now took me 63 years to articulate. Here, here it is, almost 37, eight years as a parent to articulate. The moment my children stop being grateful is the moment they start resenting what I do for them and become entitled. Your children will tell you how much you can bless them. The moment they start being resentful and entitled is the moment they stop being grateful. So the moment they stop being grateful is the moment you stop. You know how I know that? Because that's the way God operates. That's the way God operates. Have you found that God just blesses people that are really grateful? Have you ever found that God blesses people that are really grateful even if they do stupid things? You know why? Because just like you, it's not what your children do. It's the attitude with which they did it. I didn't mean to drop the plague. I'm sorry. I didn't, it, isn't it amazing how the attitude changes everything? Gratitude is an attitude. Number seven. 
learn to love God's Word. God and His Word are inseparable. Let me say that again. God and His Word are inseparable. You can't say, I love God, but I don't like reading the Bible. This Bible is God's words, His voice, written down on paper. You can't say, I love them with all my heart, I just hate their voice. They are inseparable. Jesus was the Word made flesh. They're inseparable. Learn to love God's Word. How many of you ever watched a dumb movie? Somebody told you it was good, and so you watched it. You spent two and a half hours, and you got the end of that and go, that is the stupidest movie I have ever seen in my life. Let me get real personal. How many ever watched the Saints play? Man, you're watching, you barbecued, you had gumbo, little fricassee on the side. You had some Diet Coke. I just believe you had Diet Coke. Okay. And, and, and you, I mean, you're just all, and you're all hyped up and boy, you got the dip ready. You got the little queso. Mama made some guacamole. It's not guac. It's wa guacamole. Okay. Mama made your favorite guacamole dip and you're there and then you're pumped up and then you start to, they fumbled. Taysom Hill's an idiot. Where is Drew Brees? Drew Brees could do better than that in a wheelchair. What in the world is going on? Another intercession, another, where is Drew Brees? Pull him out of retirement center, please. I'll take Archie Manning at this point. Okay, I mean, just, okay, and you're, you're, you know, you're sitting there. Anybody ever done that? Get to the end of the game. Your wife walks through going, hey, babe, what you doing? The game over? The TV's up. Yeah, it was over. Did it finish? No, but it was over. Oh, it was over at halftime. What you doing? Eating guacamole? <laughs> Honey, it's guacamole. Shut up. All the energy, all the hype, all the time, wasted. But look at me. I have never spent time in God's Word and ever regretted it. You know why? Because it's eternal. Oh, it's eternal. It's eternal. I've never regretted quoting it. I've never regretted memorizing. I've never regretted meditating on it. I've never, I've never regretted it in my whole life. I'm 63 years old. I read the whole New Testament the first two weeks I was a Christian when I was 14 years old. I've worn out Bibles that I have those Bibles since I was 19 years old. I have never regretted one moment I ever spent in God's Word. But man, I've regretted a lot of other stuff. It's health to my flesh and life to my bones. It's the power of salvation. It's food that feeds me. It's bleach that washes my mind. It's hope when I'm in despair. It's strength when I'm weak. It's power when I can't go on. It's that seed promise of what it's going to be like in the end, regardless of what it looks like in the middle of the movie. Love God's Word. Then finally, learn to love God. To love God. One of my friends used to say from another country, he said, Jacob, what's wrong with Americans is they don't love God. They like him. They like him. The word love in the Greek is agape. The word agape means to choose the highest good for someone else, even at your own expense. That's why John 3, 16 says, For God so agape the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the most valuable thing He had to show us that love was not an emotion or a preference. It was a choice. Jesus does not want a soft place in your heart. He wants the throne that is in your heart. 
He doesn't want to bring someone who brings you sentiment. He wants to be the only seated one on the throne of your life. Can I tell you something? Michelle doesn't want to be the number one woman in my life. She wants to be, come on ladies, don't tell Amberly Grace. She wants to be the only one in my life. America is filled with people that like God, but not many people that really love Him. Love Him. I love Him when I'm looking on my computer. I love Him when my emotions are raw and I want to strike back. I love Him when I'm weary and tired. I love him, and it's a choice, and a choice, and a choice. When we had Tim Tebow, he probably said one of the most powerful things I've ever heard Timmy say in all the eight or 10 years, whatever, I've been a pastor in his life. I said, Timmy, you were over 30 years old when you got married, and you got married as a virgin, and, and, and you married Miss Universe and like y'all were dating. Some of you had trouble staying away from Miss Kankton. <laughs> and if you're here, Miss Kankton, thank you. <laughs> and I said, when did you make a decision to live sexually pure? How many of you remember what he said? Every day. Every day learn to love God every day every day Father today we thank you for the amazing wisdom of Solomon this unbelievable man this unbelievable man who left a treasure chest for us today. And I want you to open up your hands and put them palm up on your, on your lap. Just put your hands up. Father, today we ask you for the gift of wisdom. Impart to us wisdom. May today's message not be information for our head, but an impartation to our heart. We receive that. Would you just pray that with me? God, give me wisdom. I receive it. I receive it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. this dark world where people are trying to figure out life every day. We surrender to the author of life. The one who is the Alpha and the Omega. The one who knows the end. The only one with the plan of the abundant life. The satisfaction And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. If Jesus said you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven or to enter into it, then being born again is the most important decision you can make in this life. You say, Pastor, how, how, how can I be born again? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior 
as you turn away from sin to be born again. My birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a junior high school. That day, the old Jacob died, and a new one was spiritually raised to life. My sins were forgiven. God's divine GPS of the Holy Spirit came to live inside me and began directing my life, even through the scary parts, to today. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. You say, Pastor, what do I need to do to be born again? I can pray with you right in your seat, right now where you are. And today, it can happen. Today, you can begin your spiritual journey as your next step. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking but me, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if you say, Pastor, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. Today, I want to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up real high and put it back down. Remember, I'm the only one that's looking. One, God brought you here. Two, nothing is ever an accident. Nothing. God knew that you would be here this morning. This was part of his plan. Did you hear this message? This was part of his plan. And now today is the day for you to be born again. Three, raise your hand high. Raise it high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? Eighteen. Anywhere else? Okay, nineteen, twenty. Okay, you can put your hands down. Last ten seconds, Pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these twenty, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need to do. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. I want you to raise it and wave it at me right now. I'm asking this last time for you. 21, 22, 23. Anywhere else? 24, 25, 26. All right. Now let's pray out loud, church. With all of those of you that raised your hand, we're going to join you in this prayer to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen.